God save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen for the first episode of a new era. No, we are not out of lockdown. That will be the most exciting episode of a new era once we are finally past all of this. And we hope you are safe and well wherever you are listening. But the focus of this week's show will be Meghan and Harry. The new era, they've gone, they've said goodbye. As Christian Pettinio did send us in a message, it seems so inconsequential given the state of the world right now. And, you know, yes, it does very much feel like that. But this is our weekly bit of escapism into royal land, talking about all of that. And I'm your host, Anne Gripper. I am joined by Mirror Royal editor, Russell Myers. Hello, that was rather exuberant. It was. Well, you've been baking banana bread, we've been in lockdown, you've got to take your happiness where you can find it these days. And we've invited Very much so. our friend Zoe Forsey, lifestyle editor at The Mirror Online as well, coming back to visit us. It's been a little while and this time we are not sending WhatsApp voice notes to each other, which is very <laughs> exciting. Yeah, I'm hoping this one might be a little bit more straightforward, but let's not jinx it too early. No, so is, so is Dan. I think he has just about yeah. recovered. Uh, so Zoe and I last talked when Harry and Meghan were over here for the Commonwealth Service, which seems like half a lifetime ago now. Um, it does. But they have said the they have said their goodbye. Obviously, their goodbye message came on their Instagram channel. Thank you to this community for the support, the inspiration and the sh- shared commitment to the good in the world, Harry and Meghan. And then they had quite a long caption that they posted with it. I'm not going to read it all because I'm sure you have all already seen it, but it's just a couple of bits that I wanted to highlight before we get going. Because as ever, we like to, you know, analyse and talk about what they're saying in there. Uh, so to start, they said, as we can all feel, the world at this moment seems extraordinarily fragile Yet we are confident that every human being has the potential and opportunity to make a difference, as seen now across the globe, in our families, our communities and those on the front line. Together, we can lift each other up to realise the fullness of that promise. Um, They go on a bit later on to say, we are focusing this new chapter to understand how we can best contribute. While you may not see us here, the work continues. So uh, as Sincerely Brooke says you know they're taking their time weird since they wanted to use it as a space to share covid info last week and gabby says in these hard times they could have done a lot to uplift people with authentic posts so people kind of sad that it it does seem very much that it is suspended now rather than that it's going to be converted for their new time um russell have you had any intel at all on what we are expecting or have they very much kind of gone into hibernation as the world is dealing with corona well it's not so much hibernation i suppose hibernation in the public sense certainly the 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 people i've spoken to instead that um there was you know huge huge plans to launch them and their new foundation that isn't a foundation uh alongside the sort of social media profiles within within weeks of leaving uh and and obviously that's been put on the back burner for now because of the, the global situation with the with COVID. So the family had certainly told them to take a step back and to, you know, have some time off. I mean, I, I found that a bit astonishing, really, because they'd already had the time off from the seven-week holiday. Then all everything that's been going on, they, they really haven't been, um, you know, been, been seen publicly for such a long time. But I think because it 
the situation and emotions had run so high, um, that's probably not bad advice. Take, take a few months off. This the coronavirus situation is going to unfortunately last several months, isn't it? So I just don't know how they can, you know, put themselves to good use publicly at the moment because obviously the you know governments and uh, medical experts are, are are taking all of our um, time with daily conferences at the moment. So uh, I think I think it will be sort of into the autumn before we see anything um, significant from the Sussexes now. In the bit where they say we're focusing this new chapter to understand how we can best contribute, to me that also sounded a little bit like actually they're still not really quite sure what this is all going to look like and how it's going to evolve. Zoe, was there anything that kind of jumped out at you from when you were read their message? Kind of aside from all, obviously, all that the point they were making, what I found really interesting was that they they signed it off Meghan and Harry, which I kind of assumed they'd done they'd done with other posts, but I had a look back through and they haven't. Even the initial one where they said they were, you know, going to be quitting all the way back in January. This is the first time they've actually, I think, signed something off as Meghan and Harry. So it was oh, Harry of... and Meghan, in fact. So yeah. it's Harry, Harry first. When you know Instagram is kind of really associated yeah. with Meghan even more than with you know far more than with Harry, really. Very true. Yep, I missed that. <laughs> but yeah, so I thought that was quite interesting as well. Like it did feel very much like it was their first, you know, that kind of step of it going forward. There's various people um, contacted us pointing out, uh, the co- commenting that the comments were switched off. Um, Sharon Ann saying, I find it interesting they removed the comments functionality from this post considering their whole narrative is being of the people. I understand removing comments can stop nasty and bullying comments, but it also appears as though they've done it after a previous post attracted negative comments directed at them. It seems like they're trying to avoid negative publicity, like they don't like opinions that contradict their own. I worry they are building an echo chamber around them, which can impact any good they can do moving forward because it puts them out of touch with the general public. And I think someone else pointed out that they've, disabled comments on older posts as well so there's a bit of me that thinks you know this does make sense because they were getting a lot of there was there was racism that was happening under those posts and there was just general sort of negativity and social media bile as well which isn't nice and they no longer have an office so they will no longer have anybody to moderate and guide and and deal with those posts so I think to me that feels like it it does make sense to to switch that off but Russell are you surprised that it seems like that account is going to be there in suspended animation rather than converting to become whatever their new thing is uh, no I wasn't really because I think <clears throat> listen they've, they've, they've done a tr- tremendous amount of good no, no matter how much they've upset the apple cart in recent months they have done a, a, tr- a tremendous amount of good for the places they've been, the people they've met, their patronages. Uh, and I think it's quite nice to look sort of look back on how that Sussex Royal, um, you know, Instagram, what's it, what do you call it, a profile had, um, had evolved. And it, sh- and it gives us a bit of history about how they were seeing the world as well, which maybe they probably felt they were being treated unfairly in some quarters in, in certain instances, especially over the last few months. But I think you've only got to look at the the public opinion, which which has shifted, unfortunately, for them. And I think it goes back to to what the family are telling them that they need to take some time off and and really reevaluate where they are in the world. Because right now, it seems as though 
um, you know, their, their big plans to launch themselves onto the global stage have taken a, a big knock. And, and perhaps that will you know, allow them to realise what, um, what, it, what it means to have a profile like that rather than uh, sort of chasing their own goals. Maybe they can, to, can put it to good use. I'm not too sure where, where that leaves them at the moment, but I'm sure, well, we, we know that they're um, constantly having meetings with their, with their new PR advisors. So I think it's fair to say that all along I had just assumed that they would rebrand that that same account. Like Zoe, what was your, what have you been thinking about it all? I thought exactly the same. I was quite surprised to say that you know to see that that was going to be their last post. I thought they would, like you said, rebrand and keep it there, kind of almost for the the same argument that that Russell had is that I assume that regardless of where they go next, their first kind of almost two years as the Duke and Duchess of Sussex are part of their story and are part of their journey and all the work that they've done stuff like the tours announcing that Archie you know announcing Archie's birth stuff like that is all documented there so I thought they'd keep it as kind of one long you know one long story rather than kind of cutting that off and then starting a new one so yeah I was I was quite surprised I think since it's happened though I've been like oh actually this makes total sense their royal roles are you know it it is going to be reviewed after 12 months is this working for everybody so that means their royal role the instagram part of it remains there as well and they can come back to it and it wouldn't have all of the more let's say more commercial or more you know their own their own things on it from in between yeah that's true actually and and i'm i'm I don't know but obviously there's there's the chance that maybe they might use it a lot more personally than they have been now kind of you know their own photo you know I know obviously lots of the photos themselves but more you know pictures of them that they've taken and making it a lot more personal so I guess if they do decide to do that then go back it yeah keeps that line maybe more banana bread recipes to help Russell with his baking that he's been trying out we made yeah. a, car- a caramel brittle with the banana bread yesterday. It was very impressive, but I've, Ooh, very I've, pretty nice. much, I've pretty much scoffed the whole thing, unfortunately. Hopefully <laughs> one day we'll be back together and you can bring us cake. We will hold you to that. Uh, I promise <laughs> you I will. Promise. Um, the other thing that made total sense actually on the Instagram account was a comment from Maria Gramming saying, glad that they don't get to keep what amounts to company property after leaving their job. I was like, oh, yes, that makes sense. So I would take my Twitter account at Anne Gripper with me, should I ever leave. Don't worry, I'm not planning to. I'll be here next week. <laughs> um, and But the Podsave Twitter account would stay. That would stay, mm. with, you know, with the mirror. That's something that's been built up through time working there. So it's like, I thought that was an interesting point of view from Maria Gramming. Um, Amayo Berger said, I bet their next venture has a different tone and feel. So it makes sense to create a new one. Um, some people really liked the post, thought it was classy and dignified, appropriate, kind and sweet, bittersweet, sweet and simple, although would have liked a picture, as we always, always would. Um, other people were a bit more meh, pretentious, schmaltzy. I, schmaltzy was something that I did feel a little bit, but maybe that's just me being a cynical old journalist over here. Um, some nice message as well. DD Ford said, I wish them all the best compared to some. They are good people. Uh, Heather Lee says gracious despite the thousands of insulting comments under each post CH Gower says very kind and heartfelt I truly hope they all they find all they seek in life and Luxiana I think actually really sums it up well it's sad I really wanted them to find their place within the royal family do good and be happy so we now know that they have had it a 
LA rather than Canada to find the happiness. Uh, Donald Trump has been tweeting since we last talked about all of this as well, declaring that America will not be paying for their security, although various people saying they're not sure that he was ever actually asked and whether that was the plan. Russell, what's your latest understanding of arrangements and that kind of thing? they're living in a rented <clears throat> they're living in a rented house near hollywood at the moment which is which is which is where i mean it's a good headline but it is where her mum lives in fairness and i think she's probably she's gone through an awful lot megan with you know, having um you know the fallout with the royal family having a baby i mean archie's nearly one isn't he so she's probably looking forward to being near her mum who was uh, photographed last week to taking her dogs out for a walk um but they are they, you know they're going to be mixing in a different set now, aren't they? I mean, I, I know it's all come to fruition because I don't think anyone seriously expected them to stay in Canada. Um, I mean, there's been a, f- a few people sort of moaning about how they had used that as a ruse in order to leave. And they may have done, but they were never going to stay there anyway. So whether coronavirus has sort of brought this um, to a head, I don't know. I think it was all part of the plan to move to L.A., um megan's pr advisors who she'd worked with before she joined the royal family had been working for her or with her for months and um and now the plans come into fruition however i do think they're going to take a few months out and um hopefully they'll be able to find somewhere nice to live i mean one thing is for certain they are going to need an awful lot of money you're talking about the security aspects that we've discussed before uh, the palace right on their last day was at pains to, to be telling everyone that they had made private arrangements to fund their own security. Now, that isn't specifically true because they do still have their UK taxpayer-funded Metropolitan Police security guards with them. No doubt they are having to uh, supplement that with extra security in the US because the Canadian Mounties were looking after them. Some of people are putting that at like four or five million dollars or even pounds a year and then they're going to try and move into like a, a 10 20 million pound mansion and they say, haven't started earning any money yet so they're obviously worth a few bob on their own however i do think this is uh i mean it, it just opens it opens up a load of questions about where they're going to get their money from and how much they're going to need to make so it's um it's going to be quite interesting to see the, the path they're forging over the next few weeks and months one thing that has happened so far in their, their new world is we've had the Disney Disney documentary um, that Megan did the voiceover for has come out, which has had some interesting commentary around it, Zoe, which I think you've been looking at a bit. Yeah, so that was really exciting, actually. Um, there's not actually been anything, Megan and Harry haven't said anything about this, but it was tweeted and kind of officially announced by uh, Disney Nature, which is the channel it's going to be on. Um, so it's going to be, it will drop on Friday, which is the third, I believe. Um, on So it's the new streaming service, which is Disney Plus. Um, and it's basically a film about a family of elephants and it tells their stories. They cross the desert searching for a new, new paradise to live in. Um, and so Megan does the narration for it. Um, and it's had... It's had some mixed reviews from critics so far, should we say. Um, obviously, it is Disney, so there is a kind of tone to it. it you know, it's always going to be a bit upbeat. It's always going to be a bit 
cheesy is the word that's been thrown around quite a lot and I've got a few of them here actually if you want to um and so Empire uh, gave it three stars um but they'd said that Megan's delivery of the commentary is wholesome but over eager to please and they said she stays on just just about stays on the right side of annoying um which I you know I think that uh, the Times uh, said it sometimes feels a bit over-egged um and this this line which I did enjoy even the oh, even the underwhelming moment in which the elephants rips and bark off a tree is presented like the announcement of the winner for best picture um <laughs> other ones saying it's uh yeah some may find it cheesy to the point of grating uh was what our um critic for the mirror said um, but yeah no lots of people saying it is kind of it is going to be very over the top. It's Disney. That's what it is. And I would also argue that we're probably not the target audience for this. No, you know, and it's got Megan's voice behind it. But, it, you know, is you can't have a you can't have a Disney show that's quite, you know, just spoken normally. It's always going to be a bit over the top and happy. And yeah, if you if you do watch it, lovely listeners, then let us know what you think of it. And exciting news. If you are fans of the Windsors which not the not the royal family but the tv <laughs> show the comedy tv show which is shown on um channel four over here and is also available i think in various other countries as well it, which um i don't know pantomime satire different ways of of putting it but apparently it is quite popular with the royal family um it's quite it's very silly and puts them in a very different light so it's very good they can laugh at themselves but anyway I'm interviewing the writers of that series or the creators of that series next week so if you are a fan of the Windsor's the tv show then drop me an email pod save the queen at trinitymirror.com or get in touch on the usual social places at pod save on twitter and instagram um, and let us know what what we should ask them or what you what you think of the show and we can see what they think uh so in terms of what our lovely listeners told us on instagram they are hoping for for the sussexes in the coming weeks and months the words that came up a lot of the time were happiness and peace which i think we can all agree with other ones that came up were normalcy privacy fulfillment mental health another baby that would be nice reconciliation between william and harry which would obviously also be nice uh, purpose and that they can thrive uh, rachel mary g says that we'll get to see more of them and see them being true to themselves court support says fulfillment privacy flourishing family bonds and respectful glimpse every once in a while Veggie Bar just says that they don't do anything to embarrass the Queen, which I think is probably one of the biggest sort of nervousnesses for the royal family as they embark on this new adventure. Kerry Vital, that they find whatever it is that they are looking for, because it's not always, always that simple. Uh, there is a winner, though, on what we think will come next or what we would like to have come next for them. Elizabeth Banter, she says uh, she hopes they will call into Pod Save the Queen. <laughs> well we we could hope we'll you russell you when they get their new foundation that's not a foundation set up then you can ask them uh we'll ask, get the exclusive, ask them i'm sure <laughs> ask them on they um, might even be listening they, well, they might be everyone's got to do something during this lockdown you started exactly. baking banana bread <laughs> i know i know whatever next well what, the, off, and, the offer is there harry and megan if they if they'd like to come on we, we'd love to have them on 
always <laughs> always available um and ultimately i think natasha rolf sums it up really well that they achieve something for the world that overshadows the drama of megxit because this whole episode has been like you know before before all of all of this current drama happened the like the real world stuff that actually really matters you know the the megan and harry departure bombshell in january was pages and pages of front pages for you know days, days. And, 12 days i think it was on the front for and th- you know three people into you know emergency meetings and goodness knows what was going on it was it 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 felt it felt at the time like an absolutely massive deal um but hopefully they will go on to do something else exciting next uh before we start to look back on their royal time i just want to introduce another uh another guest to the show who i spoke to a little bit earlier in the week christine ross of megan's mirror so we talked a little bit about what uh, she made of all of the news and also she gave her take on megan's fashion both during her royal time and what we can expect in her next part of her life So hello and welcome to Pod Save the Queen, Christine Ross, uh, editor of Megan's Mirror and also What Would Kate Do? Great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with uh, another human being. (laughs) (laughs) It is a very special time of day when we get to do that, really, in these strange and uncertain times. It is a long, long time ago now. It feels like half a lifetime since I talked with your colleague Amanda when Megan had just done her first Trooping the Colour. She'd appeared on the balcony. It was all grand. It was the beginning of this exciting royal adventure. I was admittedly sitting in the fashion cupboard because it was before we had a studio and I was surrounded by things on hangers to try and sort the noise levels out. And now I'm sitting up in up in my bedroom in the roof because we're all on still on lockdown with the coronavirus. But wow, such a lot has changed. So it is the eve of Meghan and Harry's exit, departure. I mean, you've been writing about Meghan for, for several years now. What did you make of it when the news first came through? I think obviously everyone was shocked just the way that the news um, developed and came out. And, you know, normally I think that that royal watchers get a bit more forewarning or there's sort of like a slow phasing out. But the departure was abrupt and it was really surprising and shocking to so many people. But I really think that if nothing else, we know that this was necessary for Meghan and Harry, for their family and for their well-being and for their you know mental well-being and I think that Megan and Harry really can't preach the benefits of mental health if they don't take care of their own and they've done a great job of showing the world how important it is to take care of you know your own well-being and your own family and putting yourselves first. So you're obviously thinking it's a good idea that they do make that change which is it's very much something that we've been thinking is is the right thing for them and the big question is now, what do they do next? What will that be? And, you know, do you do you have thoughts on what you would like it to be? It's been such an interesting um, progression of events from when they first made their big announcement to even just yesterday with their final Instagram farewell. And it's so hard to, to tell where they're going to go because they've kind of 
gone a few different routes where first it was they were thinking about developing a foundation and they said no it won't be a foundation it'll be more like a nonprofit. and now they've said actually we don't have anything really set up but we are working behind the scenes um to develop that you know that new branding so i really will be interested to see what the end result is because they've sort of gone down many different paths of what they might be doing i think at the end of the day we know what causes are really important to them, and I think we'll see them represent those in different ways. I think they've been extremely creative. You know, Harry is so passionate about wildlife conservation and especially conservation in Africa. And for Megan to voice um, or, you know, to do voiceover work for a documentary about elephants and then donate those proceeds to conservation work in Africa, I think that that really shows us the creative ways that are still going to support the causes that are really important to them. Your focus has obviously been largely on everything that Megan has worn, borrowed and been pictured in kind of throughout her, her royal life. And even before that as well, Um, what changes do you think we might see in her wardrobe now she is going to be kind of freed up from those royal strictures maybe? I think we're going to see sort of a return to her pre-marriage style. And something that I've really talked about on other publications or in other shows is that, you know, when Megan married into the royal family, she had a new job. It's literally like if we, you know, took on a new career role, you know, you go from being, I don't know, a teacher to a manager or something like that, your wardrobe is going to change. So when she married into the royal family, her wardrobe changed to suit her new job. Now that her new job is going to be something completely different, I think we'll see a return to her pre-marriage style you know, we'll probably see a lot more ripped jeans again, because that really is just something that, you know, she loves to rock a pair of ripped skinny jeans, which is something that, you know, there was a lot of speculation that that wasn't necessarily appropriate for a royal, although we did still see them from time to time, especially in her off-duty looks. And I really think that we're going to see a a casual Megan. We're going to see a lot more affordable style. We're going to see a lot more, you know, jeans and boots rather than fascinators and high heels. And it's just really a reflection of her new lifestyle and the new role that she's going to play. Do you think we will still get to see her wearing capes? Because I have to say, in terms of her time in, uh, in the royal life and wardrobe and spotlight, capes I really feel is the thing that she has brought to my life I love her um like affections for capes and my she rocks a cape so well we definitely saw that earlier this month you know when they did their final engagements and she just pulled out I think at least two different cape styles and it was fantastic so I think we will see those in any way shape or form that she can I expect we will still see Megan and Harry at some high profile events, maybe some more glamorous events, you know, depending on the work they do, maybe there is a red carpet and I'm sure Megan will bring the cakes out because she knows how just fierce and fabulous she looks in them. And is there anything where you are like, thank goodness she never needs to wear anything like that ever again. She was only wearing that because she was trying to fit into this Royal world. And, um, I wouldn't say so necessarily because I think she did such a great job wearing that sort of royal uniform but still adding her own style to it. I think we all would have loved to see her in a tiara again, and I don't know that we will. But even when she was in, you know, 
I think that the height of royal fashion is really what they wear to um, Westminster Abbey services because, you know, it's always like a coat dress and high heels and a very formal fascinator and it's a very formal, specific look. And even in those instances, Meghan just looked fabulously herself and really, you know, took that sort of royal uniform, if you will, and, and put her own spin onto it. So I'm not sure. I think that, you know, I'm... I think she did such a great job as a royal, and I'm sure she'll continue to be, you know, very fashionable and very have an enviable wardrobe as her future develops. So we've we've probably not actually, if we add up all of the times that we have seen her in official events, there probably aren't actually that many outfits that we will ever have from her royal life. I don't know, maybe a hundred. I don't know whether you, I don't know whether you've counted them up. I'm making think, making me think I should go count them all up, but. But there aren't nearly as many as we would have expected there to be. So possibly picking a top five of them becomes slightly simpler, maybe. Do you have do you have some standout top five moments that you might pick Absolutely. for us? Absolutely. I will say that we have well over a thousand pieces in our archives. And that does include, you know, every single piece of, of an outfit. And so I don't, but I, I'm sure there are quite a few royal outfits if we actually listed them out. But I can definitely give you top five. Um, and I'm going to sort of go, I think her most memorable and most powerful outfit was surprisingly the one that she wore to the Invictus Games in Toronto when she was just Harry's girlfriend, because that was such a statement of this is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. This is what my style is, because her outfit was quintessentially her own style. Um, she wore brands from friends of hers, you know, but she wore pieces from designers that she's friends with and really was able to represent um those friendships in what she wore and she wore those ripped jeans that you know the ripped jeans for around the world you know a, a potential future royal in a pair of ripped skinny jeans was just a huge story at the time so that um that look which was a white shirt and ripped skinny jeans and caramel colored flats and a coat really kind of set the tone for who Megan was going to be moving forward and then i think the next time we sort of saw her setting that tone was Christmas Day at Sandringham only a few months later because she almost brought back the same color tones, those caramel tones in her coat and boots and hat. And she sort of, she was wearing a very royal look, but it was in a very modern way. It was a tonal color palette. It was very trendy, thigh-high boots. Um and it really showed us how Megan was going to kind of set her own standard. I think that was the first time we saw that Megan wasn't going to follow anyone else's footsteps. There was a lot of speculation that she was going to follow Kate's footsteps or she was going to follow Sophie's footsteps or she was going to follow Diana's footsteps. And Megan was really going to set the stage for herself. That was a great look. Totally works for this situation, but it's actually quite modern. It's more modern than what we're used to seeing. Um, and then I think really one of the most iconic looks in my mind is that deep navy satin dress from Dior that she wore to the RAF centenary service at Westminster Abbey. That was one of the first times that we really saw her in what I called her, that royal uniform. You know, it's a church service, the big hat involved. Um, it's a very formal, very specific look. And she really stuck to her personal style while still matching the dress code, you know, with, with perfection. And that deep Navy tone was, you know, we're used to seeing bright colors on Royals and Megan stepped out in this deep, deep Navy and it was still noticeable and it was still regal and it was still very elegant. 
um, it had that wide neckline that was iconic. You know, that's become a very iconic look for Megan is anything with that off the shoulder neckline and this sort of pinwheelie hat that tied off the look. Again, it was it was modern, but it was still suited that royal that royal style. Oh, goosebumps. Just thinking about that one again. That was a that was a, a favorite. It was. And I think it was really the height of Megan as a royal. And that event was sort of um, July of 2018. And that was sort of Megan very much establishing herself as, you know, this is what her royal look looks like. This is her a very duchess moment. And then I and so much happened within, you know, the next that next year with her pregnancy, with the birth of Archie and everything changed in that year. And I think that the next iconic look and even just iconic moment that stands out in my mind is um, their first day during the tour of South Africa. Um, they went to Nyanga and she wore a black and white wrap dress from Mayamiko and was dancing with the children. And it was such a stark contrast to some of the events we had seen, you know, before her pregnancy. She's in this very affordable dress. She's in, you know, affordable wedges. Her hair is in a ponytail. She's out in the sunshine. She's dancing with children. And we didn't know then what we knew now, but I think that that tour and even just that moment and that look was um, a turning point in their roles in that they weren't going to be these sort of high glamour royals anymore. They wanted to be more down to earth, more, you know, with the people, dancing with the children, getting out into the crowds. And I love that wrap dress because, again, it's not a bright royal color. And Megan does wear bright colors, but I think her signature style and her personal style is more monochromatic. It's black, white, grays, deep navies. So this was still her signature color palette. She looked so incredibly beautiful. She was still showing a very normal postpartum body, which so many women around the world appreciated. And that to me, that outfit, especially since it sort of marked the very beginning of the tour, was, you know, a, a turning point in her relationship with her role as a duchess. And then I would say that, you know, I think, especially in the backs of our minds, one of the most iconic looks is going to be her green Amelia Wickstead cape dress that she recently wore, you know, to Westminster Abbey with the fabulous green hat and the green shoes and just that cape blowing in the wind as she walked into the church and then walked out of the church, which was such an emotional moment for so many people as it was their last, you know, formal engagement as royals. Um, I mean, that green dress will just stand out in history books, I think. And just choosing Amelia Wickstead, who was a designer who she had sort of a, I don't know if she personally had a complicated relationship with her, but there was sort of a complicated story towards her relationship with the designer Amelia Wickstead to choose Amelia Wickstead for that design. You know, someone who is iconically British and very iconically royal as well. I think was just very, very well thought out. And I think that that vision of Megan walking back to the car with the cape blowing in the wind, um, it, it can make you quite emotional. Can't it? Yeah, it was definitely a drop the mic and I am out kind of a look. Exactly. Definitely come out with a bang. Um, for our listeners and for me as well, can you give me a bit more background on the Emilio Wickstead thing that makes you think it's a, a particularly interesting choice? Uh, it was a very interesting story, and it was several years ago, so forgive me if I if I get any of the key details wrong, um, but shortly before one of their first tours, there was an article that came out that Amelia Wick said wouldn't want to dress Megan 
for whatever reason. Or I let me correct myself. Amelia Wick said somehow criticized Megan's wedding dress. And it was sort of a pull quote from an, a larger interview. And when you saw the details, Amelia Wick said really didn't say anything that was negative. But of course, as as the um, as some journalists who want to do, they took this pull quote of Amelia Wick said saying something about Megan's wedding dress. And I think she said it was a very simple design. It was something that you know Amelia Wick said could have designed it herself, and turned it into sort of a. a a negatively toned article and then people who read the pull quote and read the negatively toned article thought that Amelia Wicks had, had you know really wronged Megan and it turned out that Amelia Wicks had hadn't wronged Megan that this was a pull quote that the negative that this negative article was sort of spun in a certain way and several uh, maybe a month or so later Megan actually wore a custom Amelia Wicks dress and that whole situation shows the power of Megan's fashion choices and that she was able to say with this fashion choice, Amelia Wicksett and I are great, you know, we're, we're on good terms. That whole thing was a huge misunderstanding and look at the lovely dress that she designed for me. Interesting. And I'm going to just like interpret it even more out of the water, which maybe it is a message of optimism that things that appear to be broken can be fixed and everybody can get on all right. And ultimately, we're all people. And let's just talk properly, because when there's Chinese whispers in between things, it can make everything go a little bit weird. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. I don't I think that that's such an accurate read on the situation and really a good read on what royal fashion can portray. You know, it's not just a black dress. It is a much deeper, layered, nuanced decision to wear this black dress and send that message. So, yeah, so hopefully that is a promising sign that there can be calm and order and happiness returned with, within the royal family as Meghan and Harry work out their new lives and everybody gets used to a new way of doing things. And let's face it, we're all having to get used to a lot of new ways of doing things at the moment in the current circumstances. I was talking with someone yesterday, you know, if you'd said to us on the on the 1st of January, okay, in three months' time, you're going to be confined to your house, you're allowed out every now and then to go to the shops, and you're allowed to go for a short walk once a day. You're not allowed to see your family, you're not allowed to go see your mum on Mother's Day. If somebody is sick and dying in the hospital, you're not allowed to go and see them. And we'd have just gone, yeah, okay, that's fine. Like, can you imagine... <laughs> I no, absolutely not. I and I think even more just playing on what we're talking about, Megan and Harry's initial departure post from January, surely that was four years ago, right? That was <laughs> surely that happened, you know, eons ago. But no, we never would have believed that this would be where we were, that we'd all be, you know, so many of us would be working from home and trying to adjust to a new normal. So how how is it affecting you guys? Because one of one of the reasons that I got back in back in touch with you again and re was really keen to um feature you on the show as part of this was because of because of a message that i saw that you you shared in relation to the coronavirus stuff that was happening absolutely we um so overall for our blogs and we really have quite a few right now um we haven't been hugely impacted we have amazing readers we have amazing friends who've been really supportive we have amazing um, repeat customers in our shops that have been hugely supportive. And Amanda and I are both in a unique situation where hopefully, at least for the foreseeable future, this won't affect us too much. But we could see immediately that the coronavirus outbreak and the issues surrounding the outbreak were impacting people, especially our readers, especially our friends, so much 
impact in terms of, you know, people losing their jobs and losing their main sources of income. And the biggest issue for us was seeing women struggling with um, a loss of childcare. And we're both mother, Amanda and I are both mothers to young sons. And we saw so many messages of, you know, my someone's daycare closed and they were working from home and now they're working from home and dealing with a toddler or because their daycare closed, they can't go to work anymore. They have to stay home with their child, but they've lost their source of income. And that really resonated with us and really, you know, hit home for both of us because we are in such a unique position that, you know, we're really not being negatively impacted in such a large way, but we saw so many people who were, and so many women just like us who, you know, rely on babysitters or helpers or daycares or nannies. And all of a sudden they were in a position where, you know, they didn't have that help. They had to take care of their children and that affected their source of income or affected their lifestyle drastically. So we set up the um, Lift Her Crown Fund, which we are funding, and we've asked our readers if they would like to donate. They're more than welcome to. Um, we're donating 15% of our sales across the board, and that's all of our websites, all of our shops, um, all of the income that we are sort of receiving from the blogs. 15% of that is being put into a fund to support um, working mothers who have been negatively impacted by this situation, whether they've lost work because they don't have childcare or, you know, some other situation where they're really struggling, whether their hours have been reduced, whether, you know, their spouse has been furloughed. Um, we're really looking to support working mothers because of course we want to support all women, but I think being a working mother is such a specific role right now that so many women are really struggling with. And it's something that just touches us really personally. So with the fund, we're donating 15% of the sales to start a fund and any woman who is any working mother who's struggling financially can either nominate herself or you can nominate a friend or a family member that you know of um, by sending us an email or a direct message on social media. Um, the funds will be split evenly through the nominees. And so far, we're able to help quite a few women from the sales that we've generated and from um, donations from total strangers, which I think is really touching. And we're keeping the fund open a little bit longer because we're really, as this crisis has extended much longer than I think anyone initially imagined, we've sort of extended our way of helping for um, the next week or so. So that's a very generous thing to do. And what better reason to go and explore the thousand, thousand or so items from Megan's wardrobe and maybe treat yourself to one or two of them? Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, it's altruistic shopping, right? You get a pair of shoes, someone else gets help, you know, in their day to day life. Oh, well, that's that's something for uh, for for people to have a little look through while they are um, while they are in, dealing with this time in confinement. But no, it's such a great initiative, and uh, well done for doing that. And will you be carrying on writing about Megan now she is no longer in her royal life? Absolutely. You know, our readers love Megan's style, and her style and her lifestyle just really resonate with them. So we do look forward to still following her as her role develops. 
Great. Well, hopefully we'll be able to get you or Amanda back on the show in the coming months and years and uh, follow Megan's changing style because it's going to be exciting to see how, how it does change and what we have to look forward to. So let's hope, let's hope they find happy royal fashion, well, non-royal fashion adventures as well as non-royal adventures. Um, do take care, Christine. Thank you so much for joining us today. Stay safe yeah. and well and uh, say hi to Amanda from us as well. Absolutely, I will. Stay well, Anne. Thank you. So Christine picked her fashion highlights from Meghan's, Meghan's time as a royal. Um, what do you think Russell and Zoe are going to be, when you, when you think back to Meghan and, Meghan and Harry's time together as, as working royals, what are your kind of outstanding memories, do you think? Uh, the first tour in Australia, and I think that was probably their, their 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 proudest moment. Really, I think they can look back on that, and it was a great tour. It was absolutely relentless. Any other tour I've been on has never been at that pace. I think it was something like seventeen days, not a day off, multiple flights, um, different countries. It was just tremendous, and. I mean, when you look at it, look back on it, it's it's astonishing to see. I mean, that was November 2018, there or thereabouts. Bit so earlier, what are we now? September, October? September, October. So then you're still looking at, eight, that was only 18 months ago. And that seems astonishing that you thought, Christ, these two, these two are going to rule the world. They're going to totally change what it means to be a royal. They're going to totally change the fabric of the institution. They're dragging it up into the 21st century and beyond everybody loves them and within you know just over a year it had gone completely pear-shaped um and I think there's there's just so many things at play in that and unfortunately uh you know it ended the way it did but I think that they should they should be particularly proud of of how that was received um and it gave the monarchy a different dimension in the Commonwealth as well. And maybe they'll do, you know, I'm sure they'll still do stuff within Africa. They'd always be welcome back to Australia. The, you know, the Aussies and the Kiwis absolutely love them. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they still do some mini tours like, like that. Maybe not in the same vein, but something like, you know, she might end up doing premieres all around the world. You, you, you never know. Do you look back on, on that tour now and think, actually, maybe they were going at it far too fast? That, you know, because we have talked a bit about, you know, maybe they should have eased themselves into royal life at the beginning. Maybe it wouldn't have become so overwhelming. And the way you're talking about that tour now, it sounds like intensely full on. And you and I, I, I know during the whole drama, you probably did work at least 17 days and probably probably more than that without a break. But it's not a good way to be working. Really. Yeah, she was pregnant as well, like, remember. And that was, you know, I couldn't believe the fact that she was keeping up at such a pace. She looked amazing. She was obviously dealing with it very, very well. But it was a relentless schedule. And I get that it was their first tour. She wanted to hit the ground running. Um, you play to the crowd, don't you? And, the, and there was thousands and thousands of people out wherever they went who wanted to see them. They were the hottest ticket in the world. And, you know, and it's part of, 
the culture to strike while it's hot. So I, I get I get why they did it. Um, and obviously she probably thought, well, if she was to get pregnant in that that sort of time, which she did, then she would be having time off. I thought, uh, I'm at a loss to explain it really, um, and why they found it so hard. They 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 did have may, maybe maybe they did try and do too much, and maybe that is a lesson that they will take forward um, in their in their new life. But I think it is honestly to do with the the constraints that they felt that they were they were both under whether that will be any different in the in the um in the private corporate world I, i've no doubt but um you know like i keep saying watch your space we'll see and so what are the things that stand out for you do you think from the um, probably so, so, so for me it's probably i love invictus i think it's brilliant i think what harry's done there is incredible so i've really enjoyed watching him introduce Megan to that world and kind of seeing them watching the events together and seeing him you know there's been moments where he's been kind of you've watched them in the crowds of events and he's been like whispering to her you know obviously we saw that when they were on that tour as well that Russell was just talking about um and just yeah I've really enjoyed seeing that and I think it's lovely obviously right way back to the first time they kind of made their debut when you know and when he took her to an event and I just think it's been really nice seeing her become more and more involved in you know, in the games, because obviously it's something that Harry is so passionate about and has worked so hard on. So I think it's lovely seeing that become something that they both do. And um, so that's probably one of mine, but also still for me, something that I all have always loved is the, you know, the interview after Archie was born, when Harry kind of came out and did that kind of slightly on the spot chat with people when he just looked like the proudest, happiest man on the world when he said that, you know, he was over the moon and that Archie was absolutely to die for, which I just thought was really lovely. And it was a really nice kind of personal moment. Really sort of that human, that human yeah. side. And obviously Harry is kind of saying goodbye to a lot more in some ways, Megan's sort of going back to her old life and Harry in some ways is making the journey that Megan made, whatever it is, two and, two and a bit years ago now when she left everything behind in America to come here and join his world. I think you look, Zoe, you looked a little bit back at some of sort of Harry's, Harry's life and at times. He's, he's, had, he's had a colourful time as a, as a royal, which is one of the reasons why he's been so popular, really. He's, he, he, he's got into some scrapes and, and grown up in the public eye and, and that little you know that sort of cheeky little brother that we've seen grow up is now going to live on the other side of the world yeah exactly I suppose yeah like you said Harry's never known any you know he's obviously been royal his whole life he's this has been everything he's known um but for Megan it's only been two years or so so I think the change is going to be obviously very very different for Harry um but you know like I said he's he's got Megan there to hopefully support him and to 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 show him what to do <laughs> <laughs> so uh, some of our listeners highlights that they sent in quite a lot of love for the tours australia um southern africa they were such a great team says heather lee archie obviously came up in victor's games the wedding a literal fairy tale wedding says morgan jean ellis um sincerely brooke said how the rest of the royal fam really stepped up their social media game and the fashion um and puff danny Acker echoed her message about the social media and said and added i'll miss them jody lee picks said that first island trip when it seemed so full of promise and if you haven't yet uh, had a listen to our island special when i caught up with 
Jilly Beatty and Richard Palmer talking about all things Irish. Now do have a listen to that because that was uh, really uh, well. I I really enjoyed it. I hope you did too. But even if you even if you didn't, I had a great time catching up with uh, with Jilly and Richard. So hopefully that uh, sheds some light on Ireland's relationship with the royals. Uh, mags on mags on mags. I hope I've got enough of the on mags in there for, for her Insta handle. The way some Britons finally saw themselves represented in the royal family. Something similar said from Alex this Insta saying, seeing how excited young women of colour were to see her and engage with her. And I think that probably is going to be one of the lasting regrets or kind of challenges, you know, what for us as a society and the royal family is a welcoming thing, that kind of question of this was a woman of colour coming into an institution and a public role and was she fairly treated or not? That will kind of be a lasting question mark hanging over it, things to a certain extent. Um, Jane Rosieri said their infectious kindness and enthusiasm for their charities. Andrea Kavanagh said her bold and passionate speeches, so skilled. Imagine we might be hearing a few more of them in the future on other on other things and possibly even more unleashed me unfiltered megan's smartworks collection and lots of tots the together cookbook simple easy but so impactful and i think it's maybe fair to say those last two the smartworks and the together cookbook they're kind of the real lasting tangible impact that megan was able to have in that short time we're on zoom today so i can see russell nodding at my sage words <laughs> here. Uh, no, I'm totally in agreement. I think that that is the the real lasting shame of her exit from the family. That you've got these two um, sections of society that had you know had been been untouched by royals. Uh, you know, talking about getting women who had been out of the workplace for a long time, getting them supported. Um, a fantastic initiative in SmartWorks that have really really benefited from her attention. And then you've got something like the Grenfell, Grenfell fire disaster, which you know, certainly the whole country, if not the large sections of the, the world know about, uh, and the struggles that have, have, have been in place for, for so many people from the fallout from that. And, you know, Megan brought that together and that, that is her star quality. Um, and, and perhaps if she'd had just done, you know, other projects like that, then, and she she may have found it a bit easier. Um, only she will know, really, the, the 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 straw that broke the camel's back. She said she wasn't being supported within the family. Um, but you know, like you said earlier, maybe maybe they did try and do a bit too much. Um, because I mean, when you know Kate and William were first starting out, it's it, we're only seeing Kate come to the fore in the last sort of year or so, and she's been a royal for what nine years. It's you know, it's it's a it's a it's a lifetime job and I just don't think you can um you've got to take the advice that is there for you and and, and, and undoubtedly they they um as a pairing they, they they never did that and it's been to their detriment unfortunately well hopefully they're able to sit there in their in their new home thinking about how they will do things going forward rather than you know I think it's it's easy for all of us particularly in possibly times when we're cut off from the rest of the world a bit more to look to look back with regret and think oh if I'd just done that or if we'd made that decision that day you know that kind of classic sliding doors whether there was a moment where if that one thing had happened differently would we be sitting in a different would we be sitting in a different place now or actually actually is this the embodiment of what Harry has wanted 
all along and he's going to be finding his freedom to go live his life. It's funny you use that analogy that all that, you know, the sliding doors moment, because that is exactly what somebody, um, you know, a, a senior person in the palace had said to me very recently that there were so many sliding doors moments. And unfortunately for them, they just seem to walk through the wrong ones every time. Uh, and it's, listen, it's a constant source of regret for people in the palace. Um, I'm, I'm sure they are full of excitement for their new life, but I'm, I'm sure it's tinged with sadness as well. Certainly that there are huge um, areas where they could have got involved in at home and abroad with the coronavirus effort. Uh, I think, you're, especially when Charles has been laid up, the, we're not going to see the Queen for a few months uh, unless she gives this um, address, which is potentially expected around Easter. Uh, and then you're leaving it all to, to William and Kate. There would have been so many opportunities. And then even afterwards, there would have been loads of opportunities. All the people, the sections of society that are going to really need dragging up from, uh, from the fallout of coronavirus. And, uh, and maybe they will be able to help uh, you know, in the UK. Wh whether they will be welcomed back um, with open arms, is, you know, we, will, we will see, won't we? We will. And just, just to get a bit of uh, clarification on that sliding doors. Um, oh, you go. Scratching your sweater and giving us a little bit of microphone crackle. Sorry. Come on, Russell. Sit still. <laughs> Uncle Daniel will be very cross. Um, so you said that someone in the, in the palace had said they, they walked through the wrong doors at each, yeah. on each occasion. Was that a sense that it was Harry and Meghan walking through the wrong doors? Or that, it Absolutely, was, yeah. or that it was both sides were managing to walk through the wrong doors? No, I know th they, they were specifically saying it about Harry and Meghan, that there were certain opportunities, certain ways presented to them. And the, they, they always chose the wrong option in, you know, in certain people's opinion. Um, perhaps they, you know, they will no doubt have a different opinion because they've taken the, the decision that they have of the nuclear option of, of completely quitting the family. Um, but as the Queen said, they, everybody wanted them to stay, whether that's from, you know, from right up the top of Her Majesty, right down to the people that they were dealing with on a daily basis. They all wanted to try and help them work it out and stay. And they were both particularly headstrong in the very end. And, um, and, that, and, and didn't feel that they were getting the help they, they, that they wanted. Uh, and that's why they, they pulled the trigger. Well, it is, it is new times. I must just share actually with you first though, Russell, um, before, we, before we wrap up for this week. Uh, one thing from another listener, commenting on our Mother's Day theories from last week. Jen Clark says, I think both of you are wrong. Oh. Which, <laughs> well, which, is, which is always good. It's always good. Small mercies, I'll take yeah. it. It's not just Russell that's wrong. Uh, <laughs> May clearly runs the account. She's an American living in America. If she were going to do a photo, it would be on her Mother's Day in May. So maybe we will see. But they will need to have a new Instagram account by then. So we now know. So who knows? And obviously, you know, if, if this hadn't all been going on, then we would definitely have seen at least Harry at Invictus Games. And that's obviously now not happening until next year. So and the marathon. And the marathon, and who know who knows when they will reappear in any way. But there we go. There are bigger concerns for all of us, and they can maybe in some ways they can use this time to actually formulate a plan and come out with a fully formed plan. Because part, at various stages, it's felt like 
they were kind of putting it out there and and then having to row back or or figure it out as they went along. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's going to be an, a, a wealth of opportunities available to them. They are still, you know, hugely, hugely popular. Uh, two of the most famous people in the world. There are going to be loads of causes that need that attention when we finally come out of this haze um, that is, you know, ongoing at the moment. Um, I mean, even even the roles that are busy at the moment are trying to do everything on sort of Skype and and video uh, sort of video calls and, and telephone calls. And yeah, William and Kate are you know no stranger to that at the moment. They've been making all of their meetings um, to charities, patronages over the phone. They spoke to two hospitals yesterday. Um, staff uh, of the first NHS doctor to to die of coronavirus, which was particularly sad um and and maybe harry and megan are looking back on it and thinking well you know these are opportunities for us to, to get involved in so no, no doubt they'll, they'll be sort of locked in a, a war room with their advisors and, and coming up with all sorts of plans well as and when they do reappear we will definitely be talking about it on here one other episode that i should just let our listeners know about in advance because we need your help we need some questions i'm sure zoe and russell might have some questions as well i mean someone has to explain to russell how this whole thing works so what we want to know is your questions about yeah how the royal family works the little bits of detail because we have uh, robert jobson will be joining us he is the author of the new haynes manual how to run a royal family so send us your questions and we will try to get some answers to all the all the little things that you have always wanted to know like who has to curtsy to whom or you know how you get to be a coronet or whatever it happens to be just let us know because i know you lovely listeners love all of the details and we will try to put that together and hear about robert's adventures on the royal beat over the year years as well and russell if you need me to stitch him up like ian vogler did to you at at christmas time (laughs) with our review of the year when uh, russell got thoroughly dobbed in for to his boss for for missing (laughs) (laughs) missing a meeting then then let me know i will do i'll think of some questions for jobbo i'm sure there's a a a wealth of things we can stitch him up with (laughs) well thank you both Uh, for joining me this week giving us all a little break from staring at our own four walls as we wait and try to get through all of this the main thing is though I'm really glad that you guys are all well I hope our listeners are all well as well and And Prince Charles is better Prince Charles is better which is great news although Camilla's Camilla's ex-husband has now been diagnosed with coronavirus so that's the latest the latest development and she's still in quarantine she is still in quarantine so oh, she'll be out it, soon well let's hope so but yes we will be continuing to put together a little bit of escapism there's a bit of coronavirus creeping into these podcasts here and there but we're trying to trying to provide some escape as well so do stay safe and well and until next time save the queen